rebuked him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you very much, Jeanette. And please, our minds often isn't the thing that God does. Now, I'd like you to each use your imagination now. You can close your eyes if that's going to help. I want to imagine uh, that you are camping in the desert. It is very hot and you are very tired from walking lots and lots and lots. I think everybody should do a little bit of marching. Let's do a little bit of marching. Oh, excellent. This side of the room is very good at marching. You are feeling very hungry. You're so hungry, you start grumbling. Can we hear some grumbling? For anybody on school summer holidays, does this sound familiar, being a little bit tired, hungry and grumbling? Any parents, do you recognise that? (laughs) A few people. And it is morning and you wake up. Everybody wake up. Can we do some stretching? Okay, you get out of your tent. Let's see, are you going to unzip or are you going <laughs> to push out your eye outside your tent? And outside, the ground is covered in a layer of dew. When the dew goes, you see thin flakes like frost on the ground appear on the desert floor. It is white like coriander seed. And when you eat it, it tastes like wafers made with honey. Wow! Isn't this amazing? I wonder what your reaction would be to that. If you've closed your eyes, you can open them again. Um, Otherwise, you're not going to see anything for the talk. Um, And the same thing happens the next day and the day after. And the day after that, in fact, it happens for the next 40 years. This is what God did for the Israelites. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt to freedom and was leading them to the promised land. But they didn't listen, so they spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. But God was still with them throughout it all, and he provided for all their needs. For instance, their shoes and clothing 
never wore out for 40 whole years. Has anybody still got any shoes from 40 years ago? Oh, somebody has. I always wear through the heel of mine. They never last. But 40 years of walking in the desert is quite impressive. And God provided them food each day. This is the manna from heaven that we think about. And uh, if you've got any small children, as we're talking about bread, we have got some colouring at the back. So if you want to go and do that, you can go and get that as well. So with this food, this bread from heaven, God gives some instructions to the Israelites about what to do with it. He gives his instructions through Moses. Now the first thing is that each day everyone, not just some people, everyone is to go out and collect the manna that they needed. Now comes the next amazing part, not just that the food has appeared on the ground, it's the fact that some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it, the one who gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone gathered as much as they needed. You would think that those who gathered lots would have lots, maybe more than enough, yet they had just what they needed. And those who gathered little, you might think they wouldn't have enough, maybe they would go hungry, but God made sure that they had what they needed to. And the next instruction is for the manna to be gathered every day. If someone thought they could have longer in bed the following morning by collecting more now, so trying to save themselves a job, they found that the manna went off and it was not good to eat. The manna would not last the night. So this was a daily occurrence of gathering manna and trusting God that he would provide. There is one proviso though, that is on the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath, is a day of rest, a day to be kept holy. So God did not send manna on the Sabbath so the people could rest. The day before the Sabbath, they were instructed to gather up twice as much as they needed and it would last them for two days. So we have six days out of seven. If the Israelites kept the manna, it would go off, it went bad, they couldn't eat it. But on the seventh day... That wasn't true because they needed to keep the manna from the day before and it was absolutely fine for them to eat. See, I told you the things of God often don't make sense. But there is something special about God meeting their needs one day at a time. It helps them to keep their eyes fixed on God, the one who provides. It would be so easy in a desert place to look at the manna as something that satisfies you. It fills your physical need of a rumbling stomach. If the manna was there and lasted beyond one day, people could gather up as much as they wanted. Maybe they would stockpile it a little bit like toilet paper. The manna becomes the source that fills their need. Their reliance comes on how much they have, maybe how large their storehouses are to keep it all in, how hard they work to gather and collect it and store it. 
You know, some people may end up having lots, and maybe others would have none. The people would be busy with the things around them rather than looking to God who provides it. I wonder how often this is true of us. We put our reliance in the things around us, the things that we can do. But it is God who is the source. It's God is the provider. God is the giver of life. By it being a daily need, the Israelites cultivate, grow, trust in God rather than rely on themselves, on their own efforts or the good things that God gives. If we jump forward to our gospel reading, John chapter 6, which we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, we see the same thing happen. To give you a little bit of background at the start of the John chapter 6, we've got crowds of people have been following Jesus and the disciples. They've been seeing amazing miracles of healings, people being set free. They followed Jesus up the mountainside and there are thousands and thousands of them. It's getting late, they are far away from town and there is no food apart from a few small loaves and a couple of fish. But how far will they go among so many, the disciples ask. God is God of the impossible. Jesus gives thanks, the disciples hand out the food and there is plenty for everyone plus extra left over. 12 whole baskets. Does this sound a little bit familiar? Just like the manna, everyone had enough to eat. Jesus and the disciples then managed to leave the crowds. The disciples head across the Sea of Galilee on a boat. Jesus decides to use his feet and he walks across the water because he is God of the impossible. And the crowds then realise that Jesus and the disciples have left. So they walk all the way round the lake, find him on the other side. Now the people, they really just want some more free food, some more miracles. They ask Jesus in the preceding verses about give us some signs. Come on, show us, show us you're really, where you're really from. We need, we need some more signs. Because they're looking at the things in front of them. But Jesus directs their gaze to him. He declares, I am the bread of life. He's going, it's me. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The people don't understand and they start to grumble. A little bit like the Israelites in the desert, grumbling. Jesus answers their grumbles and is drawing people to him. Jesus explains that the manna in the wilderness was a physical thing to give physical life, but it didn't last. Those who ate it many, many, many years ago are now dead. They're not still alive. But Jesus says, I am the true source of life. Come to me and I will satisfy all your needs. I will give you life and life in all its fullness. Life eternal, life without end. You're looking for physical signs just in front of you rather than looking to the one who they come from. Because Jesus gives the ultimate sacrifice. 
his body, his flesh by his death on the cross. And through his death, we have life. But even death cannot hold him as he raises her life again. And when we say yes to him, we enter into her life with him. We get to eat his body, the bread of life, which we do every time we celebrate communion. And this needs to be a daily occurrence of just relying on him. Just like gathering the manna each day, Jesus is our daily bread. You know, we don't often go, oh, I had the most delicious meal three weeks ago. (laughs) That's it. I'm now going to wait another two weeks before I have anything else to eat. That's not what we do. Our bodies, they need food. We eat multiple times a day. And the same is true with God. We need to be fed daily, spending time in his presence, reading our Bible, worshipping him, chatting, catching, praying. Then we are nourished and filled. Over the summer in junior church, we are looking at growing in God. Just like seeds that are planted, they need to be looked after to grow and to produce much fruit. And the same is true for us. We need our daily bread. We need our daily water, our nourishment to grow, to be healthy and strong, and to produce fruit. So Jesus, he is the bread of life. He is the champion, wherever it's gone, (laughs) around the corner. He He is the champion bread. Uh, So let's take our fill and be satisfied. Amen. We're going to continue with prayers now. It's going to be a little bit different, I'm afraid. Um, uh, No, you can get rid of that. I don't necessarily need that. I do apologise now, right at the beginning, as we get to a point of prayer. Now, this is where I hope that I don't trip over... Have I made it out? Yeah. No, it's all right. I'm going to do it here. Right, this is our prayer time. Ever feel that there's not enough time to pray? This is proof that there isn't. There isn't, really. We've run out of time. Uh, But we're going to pray anyway. But what I wanted to explain to our children is there is always time... Oh, to move the table properly. There is always time uh, to pray. Now, uh, what we were going to do was we were going to make some bread and we were going to show you how uh, pulling bread together we can use as a prayer activity. Now, this goes for everything. It doesn't matter whether you're making bread or whether you're at work. Uh, Who here goes to work? Put your hand up if you go to work. Right? Did you know that you could be praying throughout the day in the task that you are doing? Yeah? It's really important to know that when you say, oh, I haven't got time, there's always time. And the process of making bread, when we were looking at Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, how can we use this as a way of activating our prayer? Now, to start off with, when you make bread, you just throw lots of stuff in a bowl. So, like some flour, like so. Yeah, so you put flour in. You you might sieve it a bit. You put the right amount of salt in, yeah, but you use one of these. It's called a measuring spoon. I am up against it. Uh, You put in the right amount of sugar, which is about that much, I reckon. And then you put in some yeast. And I forgot the water. (laughs) Then you put some water in. Yeah? Oh, hang on. Just wait a minute. We're getting there. Well, put some water in. There we go. Um, And then what you do, um, 
you need your yeast and your, your fat as well, but I forgot them, so never mind. What you do is you then mix them. I'm probably making a naan, to be honest, uh, is what I'm actually doing, because I haven't got any yeast in there. You mix it up. And the thing is, when we do this, uh, it reminded me that we could pray through this. Because you know what? When people come together, particularly Christians, when we come together as a church, we all bring something different. Eden brings something different to other people in the um, building. But when it comes together, something happens. A reaction happens. Things start to change. And actually, something that looks like this becomes very different. Because it starts to look... Oh, wrong one. More like this. There we go. Here's one I made earlier. Right? And you might be going, okay, right, so we've got some... We've got some dough mark, but that's not the only bit that we do. Get some flour on the side. What do you do with bread once you've got the dough? You knead it. So what we do is we take the stuff, we do that with it. Excellent. Now, we can pray that all together we get things sorted, that we work well together. But the thing is, when you start kneading, when you start kneading, hang on, here we go, a bit more flour. When you start kneading, what happens is some... <coughs> Something else starts, oh dear, something else starts to happen when you're kneading. Anybody know what happens when you're kneading? It starts to become a little bit more elasticy. It needs to be kneaded in order for it to do its job. Now, life is a bit like this. Life is a bit like bread. Because sometimes, doesn't it feel like we're being kneaded? That we're being pulled, that we're being stretched. But it's actually within that that something amazing is happening because it's used for something better, something good. And what happens is God starts to do something different. Yeah? Now, I'm just going to pray quickly whilst I'm doing this that all the people that are in that place of feeling that they're being needed, that they would know that God is going to be using that. They might not know how, but He's going to use it. He's going to transform them in a way. But there's something that they need to know. And this is what he's just reminding me at the moment as I'm doing this. There's something that they need to know, which is this. They need to take some time out and they need to rest. Because when they rest and they take time out, something amazing happens. The same dough suddenly rises and gets bigger. This is dough from last night. And you think, wow, something amazing has happened when we have rested. But the problem is, we also need to be needed again. Yeah? You might think it's over. It's not. Sometimes it carries on. And we need to keep on making... Oh, this is really sloppy, this one. We need to make some time and some space, yeah, to let God do his work. You know what? When Eden was talking about his journey with us over the last four years, would you say you've been needed a little bit? Yeah. Would you say you've been stretched? Yeah, at times, yeah. Um, In some ways, you're getting yourself to a point where you're being prepared. But then comes this. The dough that has been needed, that has been prepared, gets put in its tin. Like so. Gently. More gently for you, Eden. Um... And it needs to rest again. And then when it rests, it's ready to be transformed. Yeah? And when it's transformed, it gets put somewhere. And it gets put somewhere different. And it gets heat applied to it. Now, um, the heat uh, that we talk about, when (laughs) wood fires and um, coal-burning stoves produce a flame, 
And when we talk about um, bread and we talk about flame and how the flame uh, changes the bread, it goes from something that you really don't want to eat and it gets transformed. It gets changed. It gets changed to its very core to be something completely different. And then when it becomes something different, it then gets shared out amongst people. You see, the whole aspect of bread is we get to say, Father God, we thank you for bread. But we also thank you that you work in the same way. That when we have heat applied to us, when your glory, your love, your son, your Holy Spirit comes and affects us, that we become changed. So let's uh, finish our prayer with Father God, we thank you that you do take us through different times. That we know that even when we are in dark places, even when we are in times of trial, that you will use it for your good. And Lord, we thank you that you are a transformative God, that you transform our lives to be more like your son. And Lord, we, we just pray that as uh, we stand waiting on you, that you would continue your work on us, in us. And Lord, we pray this week, particularly for Eden as he goes away, to be transformed and changed a little bit more into your likeness. And Lord, we pray for all of us as well. And as I pray, I just remember all of our students at the moment that are waiting for results and waiting for that time of change, of going on to the next thing. Lord, may they know that it is within your plan, within your structure. And Lord, may there be peace with us as we are made and changed by you. Amen. Um, I was trying to do that slowly.